Welcome and welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, Takuma, and the Pro Football Radio Senior Contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge. Fellas, welcome in. Podcast 98, how y'all doing? Doing good. Great to be uh, great to be back at it, back at the grind. Another another interesting NFL slate that just came through. And uh, I mean, looking through, we, we were talking about this offline uh, before we started recording, trying to figure out what games we're going to preview. Man, it is in the words of Matthew Berry of ESPN. It is by Mageddon. There's like six weeks on a bye. This is not the greatest slate to really talk about, but we're still here to provide entertainment to the masses. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at like you said, looking at the slate this week, it's there's some uh, some interesting matchups, and uh, yeah, we're gonna be dealing with these bye weeks for what? I think they go through what week fourteen this year? I think it is. Mm-hmm. So we're dealing with this all the way through the next seven weeks. So uh, yeah, we'll just keep plugging along. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And before we get into this week's podcast. I always want to make sure you guys are doing well. I want to make sure that your mental health is well. I'm sure I want to make sure you guys are doing okay. And I want to check in with you, Burge. Have you somehow gotten over that Cowboys loss for the Patriots from a couple of days ago? Or are you still down the dumps about it? Listen, I always have my 24 hours of irrational anger, irrational overreacting. Uh, sometimes uh, it takes a little bit more for me to get that out, which is why I was like, Called the uh, called the forces together to get that emergency podcast Sunday night. Um, you know, I, I I've gotten over it. Obviously, I've gotten over it. I moved on. Uh, it's just it's one of those things that's kind of the season turning into for the Patriots as a season of what what ifs, just because of how many of these opportunities that they've had to win these games against these tough opponents that just seem to have one or two things just not go their way. So you know, I mean, we are what. Week six or week seven now, uh, look hoping to just continue to see improvement out of them. So, like I said, I'm over it. Looking forward to, uh, you know, watching them beat the Jets down there with you, uh, with you both next uh, on Sunday. If I mean, you guys I, if... didn't lose to Jacksonville, so I don't want to hear shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear a goddamn word. It's well, if funny. they do it's lose funny. to the Jets, are we gonna have a like front row seats to a bird like meltdown or what? Oh God! Well, I have a feeling you and I are gonna end up coming to fisticuffs. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why is that? I fucking told you, Burge. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, no. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> put, go, go put on your Bucks jersey. Go be a Bucks fan. <laughs> no, I. Either way, you know, it's uh, I really have a hard time seeing them lose to the Jets, and you know it'll be probably the low point of the season. I don't know how it gets much worse if you lose to the Jets. Uh, I think it's pretty bad if you lose to the Jets. I, I think yeah. at that point you're I, I can't at rock think of bottom. Worse. Yeah, I mean, especially them going that would put them at zero and five at home this year. That just would be an awful, awful look. Mm-hmm. You know, going forward. So let's just hope that doesn't happen. We can all be happy on Sunday and uh, just enjoy some football. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, well, let's get this podcast rolling. So, the never-ending Deshaun Watson saga takes a, uh, a fills another chapter today. Uh, reports are coming out this afternoon that the Texans are close to sending Deshaun Watson to the Miami Dolphins. 
uh, the very well-known Houston reporter, John McClain, who's been doing this for 20-plus years, um, has said that something could be done as early as this, as this week. So, it's all back in the news, and every single time this comes up again, this is like the 98th time this has happened. Um, we like to get the thoughts of our uh, of our resident Miami Dolphins fan on the podcast, uh, Puma. So, Puma, what you got going on in regards to, uh, to this take? I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. Like I said at the at the top of the show, I mean, we went to London and we lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And not only did we lose, like we looked good in like the first half. I'll give you. And there were times like you guys were texting me and a couple other people were texting me, being like, "Tua looks good. Like the Dolphins look good." And my response every time was, "Don't worry, the Dolphins <laughs> will find a way to fuck You're it right. up." And and clearly, clearly they did. You know, coming out of halftime, the wheels started to fall off the bus. Trevor Lawrence started getting into a groove with Lavisca Chanel, and then he found um, uh, Marvin Jones in the end zone, which he's had a really good connection with, by the way, too, uh, for Jones and, uh, and and Trevor Lawrence. But then you get to like the head scratchingness of uh of Brian Flores and you know I, I like Flores I really liked the hire uh when he first came aboard uh, for the Dolphins he challenged really like two boneheaded plays like there was no way he was gonna get these and it was almost like back-to-back sequences <clears throat> and he burned his two timeouts he treated timeouts the way that the Los Angeles Rams treat draft pi- draft picks they just don't give a damn and then you get to the the final the final play of the game essentially uh, the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars they were going to do a hail mary and Flores bails them out and calls a timeout and so they run a play real quick uh, a quick like little nine yard uh, route for uh, Lavisca Chanel to move the chains they kick a fifty three yard field goal and we lose in London and we lost our fifth game in a row and it's just like at that point. Stephen Ross had to have been losing his mind. And there were reports coming out from Pro Football Network and Adam Beasley, who longtime reporter for uh, the Miami Herald, coming out saying, like, Stephen Ross is considering a change. Like, Stephen Ross is considering shaking up this, this, uh, this coaching staff. Like, something's got to go. Uh, um, even Flores at the press conference said he knows that Steven Ross is frustrated and he, him being Flores really doesn't want to talk to Steven Ross right now about it. So everyone knows that it's, it's at wit's end for in that, uh, in that coaching staff. And I, I wrote a blog post about this about maybe three weeks ago where in order for Steven Ross to save this fan base, like you're going to have to make a splash move and Deshaun Watson for, I think McLean was reporting, they walked it back uh, and it's going to be what they're looking for. I think is the, the floor is three first rounders and two second rounders at this point, Chris Greer hasn't hit with the draft pick at all. Uh, maybe except Christian Wilkins at this point and maybe Jalen Waddle, but we're still only six, seven games into the season and in his career, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. You might as well just get rid of those draft picks and, and, and shake things up because clearly you haven't had any success in the draft so far. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, seems to be an ongoing thing here. I know we've been talking about this, what, since the offseason, about Christ, whether or not Deshaun yeah. Watson gets cha- traded. It goes away for a bit, then it comes back, goes away, comes back, and, you know, sure enough, it's back in the news today. Um, I, see, I, I'm still of the mindset that I don't think that this guy's going to get moved. I think Houston would be dumb to, to move him at this point just because they're going to sell low on him. I mean... Do we do we even know if he's going to be you know if they're going to let him play when he comes back like given his whole situation I mean obviously he hasn't been placed on the exempt list right now 
um, by the by the league, but the Texans have been keeping him out and not playing him. So I wonder how that dynamic changes if he's traded and then and then they want him to play right away. So that that's a factor there. I think Houston, you know, it, it would be a very Houston thing for them to you know undersell on you know their star players. I mean, they did it with DeAndre Hopkins, and it wouldn't surprise me if they do it again. Um, do you think that if the Dolphins make this trade right now that it's going to save their season? Do you think they can be a playoff team if he's brought in, put in right away? No, I think they're still far gone. This offensive line is still bad. I mean, they're, they're in such a hole at this point. You know, I don't even think they would really have a viable chance at an outside, you know, as a, as a wild card. I mean, they, they would need a lot of help uh, to get there. But, I mean, just to to save the fan base, to get to get the enemy at the gates away from your front door. I mean, everyone, you know, I'm in all, all the, the Dolphins group chats and in and, and groups on, uh, on Facebook. They're all, like, it's about maybe 75, 25. Like, they're, people are finally starting to come around to, we might as well just go all in and try to get Deshaun Watson and see what happens because it, it really can't get any worse than what we have on the field right now. Like, we can't figure out a way to get the running game going. Miles Gaskin has his moments. Um, you know, all of our wide receivers keep getting dinged up or air quote dinged up because I, you know, Will Fuller, he's a, he's a buddy of Deshaun Watson's and he, you know, he might be, have gone down there for a paycheck and expecting Deshaun Watson to get traded there. So I, you know, I just think you need to make a splash move at this point because all the press for the dolphins at this, at this juncture, it has been mostly negative. And it's, I'm not saying that's going to be, Oh, you know, sunshine and rainbows with Deshaun Watson going there. Deshaun Watson has his own peccadillos going on uh, outside of the field of play right now. So obviously you're going to have a group of people that are going to feel a certain type of way. But if you had to pull the fan base, I think if you made this move, a, a decent amount would be in favor of getting Watson on this team and another thing, too, you know, McLean and a couple other folks, I believe, they were reporting that a third team may be involved to kind of sweeten the deal where Tua Tungavailoa might go to that third team because Houston really doesn't have any interest in Tua. They just want the draft picks at this point. And a lot of rumblings have been said about Washington being interested in Tua Tungavailoa. So I don't know what you guys' thoughts on that potential move is. I just don't see Tua being a Ron Rivera guy for some reason. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't see Tua being an anybody in the NFL guy right now. I've mm. I've never been so wrong about a, a, a draft uh, prospect that's, you know, kind of f- fallen flat on his face for the first year and a half now. And, you know, obviously you can make the argument that we're not giving Tua enough time to show what he really has. But I think we've seen enough in a year and a half that, you know, He's not very big. He's not very physical. His skill set isn't elite. Um, you know, he's always hurt. Uh, I think the one pass that did in for me was the pass that I'm sure Puma, you've seen as well now. Oh, God. Where he threw, threw to nobody. Yep. And there was a Jaguars defender in the, uh, in the flat there that just picked it off. And, you know, I, I think with the Deshaun Watson angle... It really comes down to three things, right? The, the trade compensation, you know, will he actually help your team? And then obviously the, the 22 sexual lawsuits. And the first part of that is the trade compensation. Like you said, Puma, 
three first round draft picks and two second round draft picks or players in exchange for Watson, that's that's a fairly steep price, man. Like, I, I think at this point, with you guys being as bad as you are, I think it's gone to the dire desperation part of your season. So I think they're more likely to pull that trigger. But in reality, three firsts and two second rounders, that's that's just a steep price for anybody. Now, obviously, with it being Deshaun Watson and when when he's healthy and he's you know engaged, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. And the, and the question that, you know, you guys have already hit on is, is this going to be a Band-Aid on the actual problems or is this actually going to be a, a, a move that's going to help you guys win more games? And from outside looking in right now, I think that might just be a Band-Aid, man. Because, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you have back there. If it's Tua, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, if he doesn't have time to throw football, he's going to be on his back. Like they say, you can't complete um, you can't complete it, uh, throws uh, from your back. So... And then the final piece of the puzzle is 22 sexual lawsuits. I mean, we still have absolutely no clarity on that. We have no clarity if the NFL is going to even allow him to walk out onto the field of the Miami Dolphins and take a snap. Um, I'm sure the uh, the front office and the league uh, and uh, Stephen Ross are, is trying to get some answers out of the, the league office. But at the moment, we have absolutely no idea if he's even going to be able to compete on, on day one as a Miami Dolphin. Did you guys see that pass by Tua that he was, I think he was scrambling and he had a chance to run and pick up the first down mm-hmm. and he just decided mm-hmm. to throw it and he completely missed his target? I've seen that. You know, that in, in, you know, obviously the, you know, the interception you described makes me think the same thing about him. Like, I don't think he's anybody's guy. I don't see him. He's, he, I, I wouldn't trust him more than Taylor Heineke at this point up in, mm-hmm. uh, up in Washington. So in terms of how they're going to, you know, you know, maneuver that trade, uh, I'm interested to see if it actually happens. Like I said, I'm not in the ballpark that it will, um, at least this year, just given all the uncertainty. And Puma, I want to ask you this. If, even if they do make the trade for Deshaun Watson, they win a few games, Does are, are Greer and, and Flores safe at that point? Um, you think I it think improve, Flores, really improves them? Improves I think Flores might. I think Greer is probably going to be on the way out just because he had so long to evaluate Tua and you know they passed up on Herbert they they passed up on trading up to with the Bengals to take Burrow at number 1 that was a story that was floated many a time in the draft uh, in that draft class i mean if if you do this and you you know you give up your draft picks and you whip that bad on a player evaluation and you see how the season's going like i i wouldn't be shocked if Chris Greer found his way you know uh, out the door um, so I, I think, I think he gets canned, uh, ultimately at the end of the day, just because somebody has got to pay. And I think Flores gets, if the trade happens, I think Flores gets one more bit of run, but an extremely short leash, especially just given over, given the, the frequency of turnover in that coaching staff, there hasn't been one consistent coach on that coaching staff of beyond a year. I mean, you can go through all the offensive coordinators, the offensive line coaches, whether or not Flores is a hard person to work for, whether or not they just get into the organization and realize, yep, uh, I'm all set with this. Like, that's open to debate. Uh, But I think Flores might get uh, one more bite at the apple, but they would have, they they will have to win. And my point with the draft picks is we're right now, if the draft was today, we would be picking third, but that pick Mm -hmm. would actually go to Philadelphia because we were stupid and traded our pick to Philadelphia to move up the draft board instead of sending them the San Francisco 49er pick to go up the draft board. So 
you know, the, the Eagles are going to look like geniuses in the draft next year because they potentially might have three first rounders and we might be picking towards the middle or the bottom of the, the first round, if anything. So ship, ship the picks at this yeah. point, like we can't draft anybody. So why not roll the dice with, with Watson and, and see what happens. And I honestly think if he gets traded, he hasn't been on the exempt list yet. Like again, I, I've said it several times, the new CBA kind of hamstrings, uh, the, uh, the the commissioner's powers on what they can and cannot and the process of going about putting people on the exempt list. If they yeah. haven't done it now, they're not going to wait till he gets on his center for the Dolphins. And that's an interesting angle of this whole thing is the uh, the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft, which are the worst I've seen Puma in probably 10 years. It gets worse right. for these draft prospects as the weeks roll on. Dude, Spencer Rattler in Oklahoma is having a complete collapse. Like, he he can't even get the ball to flat anymore without having issues. And his accuracy is all over the place. His confidence is shot. So, Spencer Rattler isn't panning out. Sam Hell out of UNC, he isn't panning out. There's literally nobody in this draft I would want to take. And this gives me vibes of that... Um, Oh, God, what was that draft? Yeah, the Cam uh, Newton, Blaine Gabbert, like, draft Not draft even class. that. Not Christian even that. Cam Newton, Cam Newton was good. I, I would equate this more to a Dwayne Haskins, Danny Dimes draft, man. Mm. Might, might be worse than that. That might be an upgrade. So I think if you guys are serious about not having Tua as your long-term starter, you've got to sit down and think about what the draft prospects look like for the next couple of years. And they're not going to look good. So I would make those. I would make that move right now to get some of those draft picks away. Yep. Uh, and, and as always, we'd like to close the segment now. We've done this many times before. Do you think with this latest piece of information, he will get moved this time? I don't. I still don't think it'll happen. I'll I'll believe it when I uh, I'll see it. And I'll see it. And I'll believe it. But I don't know, man. I just I just feel like we talk about this every four or five weeks, and I feel like it's just a Houston camp, you know, grasping a straw, sending something out there to drum up some sort of trade demand for Deshaun Watson, and I just don't see it happening until probably next year. Yeah, I think it happens. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. You got two weeks to hammer out a deal. Maybe you get a third a third team interested in getting Tua. Pennies on the dollar kind of deal. Whatever. You cut your losses. I mean, hell, we buried the Arizona Cardinals for what they did with uh, Josh Rosen. And then the, the next year, they immediately draft Kyler Murray. I, I was critical of, of Steve Kime. And, you know, looking back, he looks like a genius at, at the moment. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just got to cut your losses. You got to take the hits in the press. It is what it is. But at this point, from what I've seen through six, seven weeks right now of football, uh, th- this is a, this is horrid. Like this is as a Dolphins fan, like I wouldn't want to spend my hard-earned money to go to Hard Rock Stadium to to watch this team get their teeth kicked in or the offensive line potentially kill the guy that's made out of glass in the freaking first place, or see Jacoby Brissett, who moves like me when I wake up first thing in the morning. (laughs) No, at this point, send them draft picks. We can't hit anything anyways in the draft right now. You might as well just send them. Yeah. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett looks like Big Ben out there moving, man. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. no. Oh, God. Don't even get me started on Big Ben. I'm not going to derail this fucking episode right here. No, No. Moves uh, like me in the morning on a cold winter day. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Jay, I'm with you. I don't think he gets moved. I'll believe it when I see it. And and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but we, we had this first discussion back in when he made his demands that he wanted out before the sexual assault, uh, you know, allegations and all that. 
I believe that you and I, Jay, said he was going to be moved, mm-hmm. and Puma was the only one that had was hard no. He was not going to get traded. Yeah. So it's it's just interesting how the uh, how the cards have flipped. Yep. Yeah. As the NFL turns, <laughs> who knows? We might be getting done uh, recording this podcast, and five minutes later, it all breaks. <laughs> be like, we'll light up the bat signal. Get back online. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the bat signal, have you guys seen the new Batman trailer? No. Yes. I'm not watching. Oh I my god! Freaking Twilight. Oh, Puma, I had the same reservations about Ryan Pattinson. I was like, I don't know mm-hmm. how I feel about this. But I tell you what, man, this Batman trailer, it looks like the comics I used to read as a kid. It used to look like the Batman animated series in live action. It looks really good, man. Uh, I agree with you on that. I was I was very uh, apprehensive about it. I saw that trailer, and I, I think it was during the Patriots game uh, on mm-hmm. Sunday. I was like, oh, this actually looks pretty good. I think I'll uh, I'll check this one out. Did you watch the full trailer online? I, did, I just watched what was on uh, what was on TV. I didn't see it online, no. Dude, when you jump off, you gotta watch the full trailer, and like you gotta watch the last like um, ten seconds of it, where they have this great upside down shot of of Batman. It's pretty dope, man. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, I'll definitely check it out. All right, okay. All right, let's move on to uh, we're six weeks into the NFL season. Let's give out some superlatives. Uh, let's talk about the MVP race first. Um, at the moment, there's a lot of great candidates. Um, obviously, you got Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Colin Murray, all those guys. But for me, man, I'm going to go with Tom Brady through week six. Shocking. Uh, that's my boy. I got to ride and die with him. He's got the Bucks at 5-1. and one. He's looking good, man. His stats are off the chart. He's leading the league in yards at 2,064. Um, second total in touchdowns at 17. Three interceptions. Uh, got his team to 5-1, and one, like I mentioned. Quarterback rating of 108.0. And I just think he looks good, man. Uh, this is the best I've seen Tom Brady play in, in probably, God, what, five, six, seven years now. He seems engaged. He seems like he's hungry to win his back-to-back Super Bowls. And for me at the moment, Tom Brady is my Super Bowl, I'm sorry, is my MVP per day, uh, MVP winner. All right. <clears throat> so, you know, naturally as a troll job, I got to say uh, Josh Allen. But no, <laughs> like, real, realistically, like... You know, we were talking about this offline. Like all, like the leaders in the clubhouse right now, it's it's Brady, it's Allen, it's Kyler Murray, it's Dak Prescott. One could make a reasonable argument for Derrick Henry based on the tear that he's had for the last six weeks. But we can all agree that a running back isn't going to win the, an MVP nowadays. So, yeah, I as much as I want to say Josh Allen right now, like I gotta go Kyler Murray. Like the kid's undefeated. Like he's been balling out. Like I, I gotta go. It's close. Like it's you know the the Gene Steratore kind of joke. It's like a you know it's an index card kind of <laughs> difference in things. Like I, I gotta go with with Kyler Murray ahead, but just a smidge. It's close, but like I go Kyler Murray, Brady, then Allen at this point. So for me, uh, I'm going to be that guy that's going to come out and say that Derrick Henry should be the NFL MVP this Whoa, year. Right? Okay. Uh, he absolutely deserves it. He I should. Love, I know, and I know it's a it's a technically the most valuable quarterback award, but Derrick Henry's on an absolute tear, and I think he's got 783 rushing yards through through the six games, ten touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's well on his way to becoming the first you know back to back 2,000 yard rusher. The Titans are nothing. Touched the ball like five hundred times right now. I know it's insane. One hundred sixty-two attempts through six games. Unbelievable. You know, you know the um, the other stat that's very interesting about him is he has also got 
quite a few receiving yards as well. Uh-huh. He, he's, mm-hmm. uh, what's, what's his total here? I'm trying to find it. Uh, he's got he 138. He's got 138 yards. 138 yards on 16 receptions on 18 targets. So, wow. you know, he he's their definition of that team's offense. Without him, that team is irrelevant. They don't win Monday night against uh, against Buffalo without Derrick Henry. I mean, guy was all over the field. Can't think of a better time to break break with the norm and give to the running back. Um, if I can't pick a running back, which, like we said, it's the most valuable quarterback award, I'm going with Dak Prescott. Um, you know, I said it after the first game when he went toe to toe with Brady mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, in Tampa. The t- and you saw the difference with him in the lineup versus him out of the lineup last year. The guy didn't like seeing that- Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. I didn't like seeing Andy Dalton. I didn't like seeing any of them. <laughs> he he makes that team. You know he makes plays. Uh, you know we saw it last week against the Patriots. You know he was able to come come right down the field, scramble out of the pocket, and throw that bomb to C.D. Lamb for the win. Um, you know I I, I got to go with him. It's a great story too. You know he's he's locked in as the comeback player of the year. I don't think anybody's going to touch him on that uh, at this point. But I, I if I got to pick a quarterback, it's it's Prescott. Yeah. I will say Dak Prescott's been very impressive. And what he did the other night against the Cowboys, man, like, Belichick was throwing everything at him, you know, like Mm -hmm. flooding the zones, blitzing. It didn't matter. Dude saw it all, and he was able to to dissect that defense uh, defense up pretty easily. So let's move on to the Offensive Player of the Year and the Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I'm not going to go in-depth about the Offensive Player of the Year because, for me, that's Derrick Henry. Um, You just laid out a great case, um, Burge, in regards to just how – Pivotal he is for that Titans offense, um, and I think they wouldn't be at four and two without him. And and I've never seen a man that big run that fast in my life. Like he's he's so big and he's running away from cornerbacks. I, I was watching that run against the Bills on Monday Night Football, and he got to a second level, and then he had an extra gear where he was just flying by guys, and I'm just sitting in awe, like thinking, how can a a, a two story building run that quickly? You know. Two the defensive player of the year for me is going to be one Trevon Diggs, uh, the cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the guy's having a gay, an insane season. Uh, he's uh, he's halfway towards building Diggs Island out there, wherever he lines up. Um, he has seven interceptions so far. He had a pick six against the Patriots, and then obviously Mac Jones came back and got him on the on the uh, next play. But so far, man, he's given that defense an identity. Uh, we've always said the Cowboys, you know, downfall was they can score, but they could never have any uh, stops or, you know, critical uh, stops when they needed on defense. And him and both Mika Parsons have done a great job providing that, you know, young burst of energy and speed on that Cowboys defense that's going to hopefully do them wonders as they get into the playoffs. So offensive player of the year, Derrick Henry, and defensive player of the year is going to be Trayvon Diggs. I feel like we're going to do a clean sweep. I think we're all going to pick Derrick Henry <laughs> for offensive player of the yeah. year. So he should get something, man. If he's going to keep this up, he, if he's because obviously we all understand, like you said, Bert, the MVP is a quarterback award for the most part, uh, just because of how pivotal that position is to the game of football. But I think he should get something, and he should get the offensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I honestly feel like you know this is no disrespect to to sweetness, Walter Payton. In my opinion, Walter Payton's the greatest all-around football player in, in, in league history. That's that's not taking a shot at Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time, you know, the greatest quarterback, whatever. But, like, Walter Payton meant so much to that Chicago Bears offense. I feel like Derrick Henry is, my, you know, my modern-day 
type of Walter Payton where you see what he is in this offense. And I, I just think the parallels are pretty pretty close. He is the offensive player of the year. Uh, defensive player of the year, I'm, I'm with you, Jay. I, I got to go with, uh, with Diggs, uh, the cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I was on the pod last week saying, yeah, like Dan Quinn's turned this defense around. But when you look at the numbers – like they're still a thirty-first, you know, overall pass defense. Like they, you know, they're offering up, they're giving up the most pass yards and you know per game. But you know, you're going to have to get takeaways to get your offense back on the field to put the points on the board because you can't stop the bleeding. And this guy is leading the league in interceptions. I think he has more interceptions than like three or four mm-hmm. teams combined right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me personally, like you can call it some bias coming in, like dark horse defensive player of the year for me might be Max Crosby just because he's up there with quarterback pressures. He's getting up there with sacks and quarterback hits. He's wreaking havoc. Um, so if you wanted a dark horse guy, Max Crosby, but the chalk is, is, uh, is Tavon Diggs. Yeah. I'm, we're in agreement. Derrick Henry offensive player of the year. This was the year that I thought that he was going to take a step back. Just given the amount of times he's touched the ball over the last three, four years, uh, combined with the fact that he's 27 years old, which is you know getting up there in age for a running back, but he proved me wrong. He's absolutely the offensive player of the year, and in my eyes, the MVP of the league, defensive player of the year for all the reasons you guys already outlined. Trayvon Diggs. Yep, yep. Got nothing more to say. <laughs> all right. Cool, cool. <laughs> And then the Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. For my, I'll start with the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, for me, it's Jamar Chase. Um, I think uh, maybe it's biased because I watch so much Bengals football, not because it's on the local market out here in Ohio. But they're absolutely tearing it up. They're 4-2. He's a big part of the reason why they're 4-2. and two. Um, Him and Burrow have a great connection. His stats are off the chart right now. You know, 553 yards, uh, 20 average per reception, and uh, five touchdowns. And he has become such a deep threat. Um I, he he no lie he reminds me of Randy Moss in his young years not as fast obviously um, because Randy was a different uh, different animal in regards to speed but he can definitely get down there and make some pretty uh, pretty amazing catches and and it's funny he couldn't catch anything in preseason <laughs> I still don't understand what that was all about but he he is he's just absolutely having a hell of a season and he is the offensive rookie of the year. For the defensive rookie of the year. Oh, sorry, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) And then for the defensive rookie of the year, man, I thought about this quite a bit, and I'm going to have a little bit of a cop out here. I'm going to say to be determined because I couldn't really think of somebody that has stood out and performed at such a high level out of the uh, out of the defensive rookies. Uh, if I had to like pinpoint it down and pick one just for the hell of it, maybe maybe Mika Parsons uh, out of Dallas, but even him, I don't think he's deserving at the moment. So uh, as of right now, to be determined. Yeah, I'll go. I feel like this is going to be another clean sweep. I think we're all going to go <laughs> Jamar Chase. I mean, maybe Rondell Moore had a puncher's chance. At the wide receiver for Arizona, if he kept up his his pace from like the first two weeks of the uh, of the season. But no, for all the points to hit Jay, I mean, the kid was getting buried in preseason. We were all like, oh well, you really should have taken Penny Sewell to to block Joe Burrow, and they're like, damn the torpedoes! Like he is balling out right now. They have a hell of a connection, and they're going to need that, especially in this matchup between the the you know the Baltimore Ravens that we're going to talk about uh, in a little bit here. I mean, defensive player of the year, man, it's tough. Like the chalk is going to be Minka Parsons, um, but I don't think he deserves it though. Truthfully, 
I don't think so either. I think, you know, maybe if Patrick, uh, if J.C. Horn didn't get hurt, mm -hmm. he might have an outside chance. I, I guess if you want to go against the grain, maybe, maybe Patrick Sertan the second out of Denver. Yeah. But I feel like the chalk, everyone's going to be a uh, make a parson. Could you imagine that the bonus skip Bills is going to have if both the defensive player of the year and defensive rookie player of the year are on the Dallas Cowboys? Yep. Insufferable. <laughs> he would, I don't follow him on Twitter anymore. <laughs> he would need to go to the doctor, not because he, he's had a boner for, for more than four hours. Four hours. Like four days. <laughs> Charlene, you ain't doing your job. <laughs> Christ. Uh, you guys hit it. I'm with you on Jamar Chase for basically everything you guys put out. I was one of the guys burying him in the... Uh, in the uh, preseason, especially in my dynasty football leagues, for the guys that took him number one overall in the rookie draft, proved up, proved me wrong. He's off to a great start. I think he's uh, he's the front runner right now. Defensive uh, rookie of the year. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Jay. I'm like, I, I thought about it for a little bit. And I'm like, I, there's nobody that just mm -hmm. popped into my head that you know should get it off the bat. I, I narrowed it down to two at this point that I would go with. Obviously, Micah Parsons that we've already talked about, and, and I like what uh, Asante Samuel Jr. is doing out mm -hmm. in uh, in L.A. He's uh, he's got a couple interceptions already, so th those were the two guys that that. See, I was I gonna throw him on there, but he has been well. That whole defense has been brutal yeah. the last couple of weeks against you know the the Browns and the Ravens. They've got lit up and torched, and he also had a couple of bad games. But before that, I could have seen your point. Yeah, it's just one of those things, like you said. It's it's. No one, no one's really taking going out and taking that. It's just mm -hmm. there's a couple of guys that you could throw out there, and you know we'll see what the you know the rest of the season holds out. But yeah, we'll go from there. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't go with uh, with Mac Jones. Hello, I'm here. Oh, I'm oh, ignoring no, you. No, seriously, I'm surprised. You, I'm surprised you didn't make a case for that. <laughs> No, I mean, if I, if you got a, if it's an offensive, you know, like the offensive MVP rookie of the year, offensive quarterback award, yeah, yeah. I think he's probably he's up there with probably Trevor Lawrence as the the offensive rookie of the year for the quarterbacks if you're going to go there. But yeah. no, you, you can't argue. I can't argue Jim, uh, Mac Jones against Jamar Chase. I mean, come on. I, I thought you were going to with all those completions he had between three and seven yards. Here we go. All right. Let's get this back he's, trying his best, he's trying his best to derail it. We said no Patriots stock, and here we go. Let's get this back on track. Uh, let's, let's move on to some game previews. If you want three... the autopsy of the New England Patriots, go one episode back in the feed. Well, Puma, no, we're, Puma, wasn't we, an autopsy. Well, Puma, we agree that, you know, they, they literally pat his back for just tying his shoes, so I figured Bird would take that to the next level with the offensive rookie of the year. <laughs> Like I, I get it, he's he's good, he's fine. Let's not pretend like he's Tom Brady all of a sudden here, okay? I'm oh, I'm go. bringing my brass knuckles Saturday. Don't worry. <laughs> that that by the way is starting to piss me off beyond belief, and, and I'm trying my best to keep it at bay, but that that's an issue that's going to come up in the next couple of weeks. What what's uh, that? Couple of weeks. The whole uh, you know he completes uh, a high percentage, and everybody loses their goddamn minds, but he can't get the ball in the end zone and everything else. All these other stats are so far do down below the um, the rankings and all that. So. 
That, hey, that stats is, are facts. Stats are facts. Come on. Yeah, Here we one, go. Well, one, of, <laughs> one of them is facts. The other, like, 19, they dismiss. That's the issue, you know? They just choose to look at one of the facts. And it's going to be it, so bad this week. When it fits the narrative. When it fits the narrative. It's going to be so bad this week because they're going to beat the Jets. They're going to beat the Jets by a wide margin. And, dude, you're, you're going to, oh, well, did you see Mac Jones and his arm strength? Oh, my God. Uh, frustrating. All right. So about those Chiefs and Titans. <laughs> <laughs> the three and three Kansas City Chiefs are taking on the four and two Tennessee Titans. This is going to be a hell of a game. The Kansas City uh, Chiefs are coming off of a get to back to form kind of win against the Washington football team. As much as it hurts for you, Puma, they they ran a little bit of a train in the second half on the Washington football team. Uh, Mahomes lit up for three hundred ninety seven yards, two touchdowns. And also had a, two more interceptions, which seems to be a problem with him this year. Uh, but yeah, you know the case, bubble. yeah. Kansas City's defense did show some signs of life, limiting the Washington Football Team to 13 points and 276 yards of offense. On the other end, the Titans are coming off of a great win on Monday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills, uh, and I think that win alone has kind of put them in the race for the best teams in the AFC. So this is going to be a big test for them. A key takeaway from that Monday Night Football game was Derrick Henry, like we all talked, is just absolutely running wild. He's like what makes our offense goes. He ended the day with three 143 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, so with all that being said, Pumo, he got to win this game. I want to go, man, this is another defense is optional game, especially because, you know, the the, the Titans, they're going to be down with uh, Caleb Farley in the secondary because he, he tore his ACL on Monday Night Football. And they were really slim pickings in the secondary, but – with all that being said, I, I like Tennessee in this game. I think they could. I think they could win against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is not the same Chiefs defense from two years ago when when they went on to, to win a Super Bowl. Uh, they could still be beaten. Uh, you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs. It was the tale of like two halves last week. Kansas City. They they looked frustrated at times in the first half. Washington actually had like a. I believe it was like a ten point lead uh, going into halftime. Mahomes threw for like a, a under hundred and thirty yards with two two interceptions, a fumble. Like everybody seemed out of sync. Uh, and then they came out of halftime and they just lit it up per usual. But I, I just like the Titans. And if you go back, you look at the Monday Night Football game. You know, there were a couple of times where the Buffalo Bills stopped Derrick Henry, and I almost lost my mind being like, wow, that actually happened. But they, they didn't go away from it. They kept feeding him the ball. They kept grinding down the defense. And as they started bringing more people in the box to, to play the run, uh, Ryan Tannehill was just a surgeon with play action. And, you know, whether it was A.J. Brown dealing with after effects of Chipotle or uh-huh. um, or Julio Jones playing for a bit before he got ruled out with another hamstring injury. I mean, he was getting people involved in that offense whose names I'd never even heard of. So Tannehill was a surgeon in that game. Um, I, I, I like the the Tennessee Titans getting points here at home. Uh, they're a five-and-a-half-point home dog. The over-under is 57-and-a-half. Um, I like Tennessee to cover. I kind of lean to the over just because of how bad both defenses are. Yeah, I mean, I you know watching you know I only watched the first half of that Monday night game. It was a nice uh, nice wake up to uh, you know my my Tuesday morning work day for my you know big Super Bowl at my work. That seeing the uh, the Buffalo Bills lose and seeing Josh Allen face plant uh, on fourth and goal. So you know I I was a very happy man. Uh, I'm a Derrick Henry fantasy owner. He didn't help me win, which that should tell you how far behind I was going into Monday night football. Oof. But yeah, exactly. Um, but 
I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I, I like what the Titans bring because it, even when Derrick Henry was getting stopped early in that game against Buffalo, they kept feeding him the ball, and he eventually broke out. I mean, I think he had a 76-yard touchdown run in that game. Uh, so I'm a big Derrick Henry guy. I, th- I like them getting the five-and-a-half points. Uh, I, I, Puma, I'm with you kind of on this about the over on it. Uh, just because I think it's going to be a, a similar game to what we saw Monday night against the Bills, it's going to be an offensive shootout. Uh, and I'll, I, you know, I'm going to go with the Titans to win this outright. Kansas yeah. City's defense is is just you know awful. You know, I, I had faith in them against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. I think it was either a couple weeks ago or last week uh, on Sunday Night Football, and they let that defense let me down big time. Uh, so I have no faith in them to do that so give me the titans to win here even getting the five points parker had his first pick the picks this week were a little bit of a challenge he had trouble focusing on uh <laughs> on the logos he wanted to go you know drink his juice or stand up on the entertainment center and walk around so uh he did take the chiefs in this game though so something to keep an eye on hey man listen okay. parker knows what's up because i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with him i think i'm gonna take the chiefs as well to win this game and listen the key thing for me i'm gonna watch in this game is the, the, the Chiefs' defense limited, you know, Washington football team to 13 points and only 276 yards of offense. Was that more on Taylor Haneke and the Washington football team's offense stinking? Or was that more on the Chiefs are trying to find something here and they're getting better as the year progresses on defense? Um, I think it might be the second, uh, the latter there, but obviously we'll see how it plays out on Sunday. And on the other end, man, like, if, if they allow Derrick Henry to get five yards Per touch, it's going to be a long day for the Chiefs. So obviously going in, you've got to take away Derrick Henry. You've got to make sure that um, the Tennessee Titans, you know, essentially pass the ball to victory. Um, in regards to the, the the wide receivers, is A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, are they somewhat banged up or are they going to be available for the game? Neither of them um, practiced today. So something to keep an eye on as the game comes out. They don't play, obviously. I think that, that changes. But neither of them did practice today uh, uh, for the Wednesday practice. Yeah, I'm not really surprised about Julio. He got he got ruled out of the game. I want to say maybe it was like the the end of the third quarter uh, with the hamstring issue. Um, AJ Brown, who knows, he might still be recovering from the food poisoning. Still, I kind of lean towards he's probably going to end up playing. But you know, like Bird said, we'll see. We'll we'll know more with the Thursday practice report for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is gonna be this is gonna be a great game, man. At the end of the day, I think the Tennessee Titans are starting to get into that, you know, Ravens territory of, of being a team that can contend in the AFC, and they're gonna have to go through the Chiefs to get to that level. So if they can pull out this win, this is gonna be amazing for them. But obviously, the Chiefs have gone to that point for me where they're like the Patriots in the in the heyday of the dynasty. I, I know they have issues on defense. I know there's issues here and there, but I just still cannot go against them until I see somebody beat them consistently. So. Um, it's going to be a fun game, though. I'll definitely say that. You're not worried about Patrick Mahomes throwing a bunch of picks? I mean, even in the Patriots' heyday, Brady never did that. I I don't think so, man. I just think that he's he, his arrogance is unbelievable. I'll give you that. I, I do understand that he, he decides to do things on the football field that goes against everything taught to a quarterback. Um, and he shouldn't be making some of those throws, but I still, you know, I've seen so much out of him, so much good out of him. 80% of his career, 90% of his career have been great so far, and over the last, you know, six games, he's had a little bit of a rough patch, but he's still putting up numbers and points, so uh, I still I still roll with Chiefs at the moment. 
I was hoping he gets ragdolled so I get to see on Twitter uh, Mama Mahomes mm-hmm. and his uh, fiance chirping. Can we talk about, about how much of a piece of shit his family is? Like seriously. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Mm-hmm. I hate. I, I I feel dumber every time I see them talk on Twitter. It's just. It's off. It's insufferable. Another yeah. word I love to use: insufferable. Just like Skip Bayless, it. I can't mm-hmm. stand it. Mm-hmm. Drives me nuts. Yeah, like I mean, the the fact that Jackson Mahomes' brother was dancing on the twenty one logo for the Washington Football Team's Sean Taylor ceremony, right? which in a in a weird sense is kind of dancing on his grave. Like obviously he's not buried. I get that, but just the just how it looked from an optics point of view, it just it just didn't look good. And then obviously his mom and his God, his fiance is so obnoxious. They're just mouthing off on Twitter about the dumbest shit possible, and just. The whole family just bugs me, man. Everything didn't, about them. Didn't didn't Jackson Mahomes like pour like a beer or a drink on a fan in a game too? Yeah. Didn't he do uh, that yeah, a couple weeks ago? Ravens like, game. Yeah. Like just uncalled for. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ugh. All right. Let's move on to a sneaky big time game here. The four and two Cincinnati Bengals are taking on the four and two uh, Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, the Ravens are coming off of a beatdown of the Chargers, 34-6 with a final score. And they kind of look to be the, the cream of the crop in the AFC. And the Bengals are coming off of a 34-11 win over the hapless Lions. Um, and they're seeming, they seem to show a lot of promise with their young core of players. Burrow's having a great year. Uh, Jamar Chase is having a great year. So, who do you guys, who do you guys got winning this game? Where did you go first? You know, I... I think the spread in this game is six and a half. Uh, the Bengals are getting six and a half points in this game. Um, it's in Baltimore, I believe, correct? Yep. Down in Baltimore. Um, you know, I, I have a crazy gut feeling that this game is going to be a lot closer than that six and a half mm-hmm. points. I, I, like, like you uh, just said, Jay, I really like what Joe Burrow and that offense is doing. They do have, uh, obviously, Jamar Chase back there. Uh T. Higgins and you know the reliable Tyler Boyd uh, catching balls all the time. So obviously, and obviously, let's not forget: is Joe Mixon going to play in this game? I, I know he's been banged up this year, but I, I'm assuming he's going to he's going to so. play. I think yeah, he was out there play. Sunday. He was out there Sunday. So yeah, so I I love what they have on offense there, and I just I have this gut feeling that this game I I, I think Baltimore will end up winning it, uh, but I think it's going to be decided by you know a field goal in this game. I think it's going to Cincinnati's going to. A real test here to you know prove whether they're pretenders or you know they're for real in that division in in the conference, and I think they're going to show up. Uh, I don't think they're going to have enough to win, but give me uh, give me the Bengals uh, laying the six points to, uh, if I was a betting man. Parker as yeah. well picks the Bengals, so just so you have it. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow suit. I I got the Bengals covering the six and a half, but I'm gonna lean into it. I got the Bengals winning this game. Whoa. I mean, I like I like wow. what Joe Burrow has done, uh, especially coming off of that that knee surgery from last year. Jamar Chase is balling out. Baltimore is a 26th ranked pass defense right now, so that you know they should be able to eat. I think Jamar Chase may find the end zone one or two times. I think Joe Mixon is gonna hit pay dirt. He's always getting involved in the passing game, anyways, and you know, let's be honest, the Cincinnati Bengals have been a surprising defensive uh, uh, team on the defensive side of the football. I mean, the uh, they they are, what is it, looking at the stats here, I think they're eighth against the rush. Uh, so Baltimore, I mean, we, we saw the game last week. They they absolutely took the, the Chargers to the woodshed. They dropped, I, I believe it was like 34 Four. to 6. 
the thirty-four to six. The that game actually got bumped off of uh, CBS. They cut to the uh, the the uh, the Chiefs and Washington football team game in my market. That's how bad the uh, the game was. But you know, Lamar Jackson, he was nineteen to twenty-seven, one hundred sixty-seven yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Like all those points that were put on the board by running the football against mm-hmm. the the LA Chargers because the Chargers just can't stop the run. I think you're going to have to. Him being Lamar is going to have to throw the ball a bit more to to get the get points on the board. I think this is going to be a shootout. Uh, I think he might end up with a, with a pick or two like last week. But I have Cincinnati coming out on top. I, I they cover the six and a half. I think it might go over forty seven. I really don't want to bet the over under in this game just because I feel like this is getting back to the old AFC North gladiator mm-hmm. black and blue football. And uh, I'm all here for it. But give me the Bengals to win outright and cover the six and a half. Nice. Yeah, Puma. We were, go ahead. Yeah, Puma. I was uh, I was leaning uh, towards taking the the Bengals as well early on this week, but the more I thought about it, the more I watched some of the highlights. No, no, again you're good. Go ahead. From that Ravens Chargers game, I, I think I'm gonna take the Ravens to win this game just because their defense is absolutely elite. Like the the team speed on that defense is unbelievable. I'm watching that game against the Chargers, and they're making the Chargers look inept. And the Chargers have a really good defense. And couple that with the fact that Joe Burrow, while he's having a great statistical season, 70% completion rate, 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, he also has seven interceptions. And and he's been somewhat very clumsy with the ball. I've been watching quite a bit of his games over the past few weeks, and he seems to have um, a I'm going to try to make this play happen no matter what syndrome. Um, you know, he doesn't throw the ball away. He doesn't take the easy check down. Sometimes he forces the ball into coverage, and that's where those seven interceptions show up. And I think the Ravens are going to take advantage of that. So with that being said, I'm going to take the Ravens. Um, give me a low-scoring game here, somewhere in the 24-21 mark. But the Ravens get win, win this game. All right. And then the uh, the final game of the slate, we've got the two and four Indianapolis Colts uh, taking on the two and three San Francisco 49ers who are coming off of a bye. Uh, on the other hand, the Colts are coming off of a 31-3 win against the Texans, and they're starting to show some life. Um, so Puma, who do you got win this game? I got the Colts. I think th- I think they're starting to build on something here. They they really rebounded well. And granted, it's the Houston Texans, but I mean, let's be honest, they needed to win that game. If they lost to Houston. And Tennessee, you know, obviously they took care of business against Buffalo. This division race might be over. Um, so they, they took care of business. Carson Wentz, for all that we said about him last year, being, you know, stupid with the with protecting the football. He was putting the ball in, in harm's way. I mean, he right now has the most consecutive attempts uh, without an interception at 144 attempts right now on the season. That's, that's first – uh, second is uh, Matt Ryan at 123, and then Kyler Murray is at 110 completions uh, or attempts, I should say, without an interception. And I, he's just been lethal throwing the ball downfield on, on yards that are 10-plus yards down, uh, down the field. He has a 147 passer rating, seven touchdowns, zero turnover-worthy plays per PFF. Take that as you you know whatever way you will because it's pro football focus. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's starting to look – a little bit more, you know, game by game, like the Carson Wentz that Frank Reich had in Philadelphia. So I, I think they're in a good spot. The offensive line is going to be under duress uh, because the San Francisco pass rush is elite. You know, Nick Bosa is still anchoring that defensive line, but the secondary is just so bad for the San Francisco 49ers that I think there are going to be shots downfield. T.Y. Hilton's back in the fray. Paris Hill, uh, Paris Hilton, <laughs> Paris mm-hmm. Campbell is going to be out with, it looks like a foot injury, but um, 
you know, uh, Michael Pittman Jr., he's no slouch. I, I think he's, he, he's going to find the end zone. I think T.Y. Hilton may find the end zone. Granted, he was left uh, he left the game against Houston early with a quad injury, but whether or not that's legit or maybe it's just kind of maintenance, let's not push it in a, your first game back, that's open to interpretation. But um, I, I like the uh, the Indianapolis Colts here. I'm just trying to pull up the spread. Unless, Burge, you don't happen to have Four and a half. Colts are, uh, Colts are getting four and a half. That seems about right. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm going to take the Colts to cover, but I, I have Colts winning this game too. Puma, I'm with you on this. Uh, you know all the points you made about Carson Wentz. Uh, I was going to you know get into that, but I won't rehash it again. I love me some Michael Pittman. Uh, I you know he continues to to impress. I think he was quiet last week against the Texans, but. Uh, you know, he's been a very good, uh, you know, he's taken another step forward, uh, building off his performance uh, in the playoffs last year. Uh, you know, San Francisco, you know, there's all this talk. I mean, uh, Trey Lance didn't practice today. It sounds like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be okay to go for this game. So, you know, they have well, a little bit of question gonna mark. Be, he's going to be okay for the first half. He's not going to make it for the second <laughs> half. Okay. okay. Um, Where's the line? You know, uh, <laughs> Fair. That's that's the case. It's gonna build into my point here, but they, he's coming off an injury. You know, they they seem to not they're not giving really anything out of San Francisco whether or not who's gonna play. But it sounds like they're optimistic. Garoppolo is gonna be good to go. You know, their running backs have been a little bit of a carousel with Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon there. George Kittle's obviously on IR. Brandon Ayuk has been a uh, you know in the doghouse it seems for 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 six weeks so far and. My fantasy team doesn't like that. So I, I just given how, how Indianapolis came back last week, they won a game, like you said, Puma, that they had to win uh, to, you know, to stay alive in the, you know, in the division race, whether you know, want to call it a competition at this point or not. But they, they needed to win. They did, and they did it in a dominating fashion. Uh, the 49ers have, have kind of been a little bit of a disappointment uh, this year. I thought they were going to be making a little bit more noise in that, divi- that stacked division out there in the NFC West, but, uh, you know, with the four point, four and a half points, give me the Colts to, to cover that and win outright in this game. I think that, uh, that AFC South, it might get a little bit competitive with, uh, the Colts and the Titans down the stretch. Parker also picked the, the Colts in this game. Nice. nice. It's a clean sweep for all of us. I'm picking the Colts as well. And truthfully, I'm not going to rehash everything you guys said. You guys hit it on the head, but let me ask you guys a quick question in regards to the 49ers. Why do you guys think they're they're uh, they're two and three at the moment and have all kinds of issues? Is this simply a an injury thing? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance haven't played up to their standard? Uh, is there something more that's behind the scenes that we don't that we don't know? But what do you, what do you guys make of the fact that they're they're struggling so badly so far out the gate? I mean, it has and, to be an injury thing. Well, right? I think I mean, definitely yeah. they're it's gotta you know, be they're, injuries. I mean, they can't stop yeah. anybody in the secondary, and the, like their one big hope was was uh, was Josh Norman, and he did good for three plays, and then he he left with a bruised lung. So you know, I gotta go. I gotta go injuries at this point, and then at that point, I might rank quarterback play in you know in the second you know second place uh, at the at the race uh, at the the horse race here, just because. You know, we, we all know the injury history for Jimmy Garoppolo and the last press conference, at, you know, at, that he did after he got hurt. A lot of people were kind of comparing his demeanor and his body language to just how Andrew Luck looked at the end. I didn't see the press conference. Maybe you guys saw and maybe you guys could speak a little bit more to it. 
But yeah. that was the vibe I got from the the beat reporters on Twitter and and some of those guys that have their own podcast was he was severely downtrodden, borderline emotional. He looked like Andrew Luck at the end for the for the Indianapolis Colts. And then you, you factor that in with Trey Lance being the third overall pick, but he's a, a massive development prospect in the eyes of a lot of scouts and a lot of executives in the NFL right now. And the one time he got a start, he hurt his knee. So I, you know, I got to go with the injuries and then quarterback play at that point. I, I got the sense that Jimmy Garoppolo kind of quit on, on Kyle Shanahan almost as like a fuck you kind of thing to him of everything that's happened in the off season of how, you know, Kyle Shanahan, anytime he'd open his mouth, he would somehow put down, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and, and, and talk about like other players. Like, I understand that he had an injury, but like he can like play through that when like his NFL career is on the line here. And just the, the messaging that came out of that press conference after the game, Jimmy Garoppolo almost self-diagnosed himself. He was like, yeah, well, listen, we're going to be out. I'm going to be out for these many weeks. Like, how could you know that quickly right after the game? You feel me? So right. I, I, it was just kind of weird how that played out. And I do think the reason why I brought up this question was, I wonder if some of that friction between him and Kyle Shanahan that we perceived that it could be there, right? It's only natural for us to think everything that's happened so far. There's probably some sort of friction behind the doors between those guys. I wonder if that's kind of rubbing off in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you're you're, you're onto something there. Obviously, you can't ignore the injuries that they've had, you know, with with George Kittle and you know their their secondary as well. Uh, I think that there is uh, I'd probably put second on this is, is coaching. Just because of, maybe not just coaching, but but lump in the whole management uh, as a whole. You know, John Lynch, the front office, all that. I really do believe that Kyle Shanahan wanted to draft Mac Jones at number three. And that's why that they, they, they traded up to that point. And the reason being is that I think that Mac Jones fit their system that they did that they're that they're running there better than what Trey Lance will do, and he the fact that he was more pro ready uh, to to start you know right away there I think plays into it as well. Just because we know Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history, we know what he is, uh, and all that. We know Trey Lance is a big project. We knew Jimmy was probably going to get hurt at some point this year, and. The, the, it's kind of falling falling on its face there with the, you know and tying that into the quarterback play also putting a guy one of your best playmakers like Brandon Ayuk in in the doghouse for 6 weeks you know he's one of your best athletes up there with 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 Debo Samuel and you're not it doesn't seem like they're using them properly there as well obviously we heard about Trey Sermon early in the you know the preseason that he was going to be kind of that 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 second running back uh that was going to come in after Moster. We knew Moster was going to get hurt. He's a, you know, he always gets hurt every year. He's an older running back, so you figured Trey Sermon was going to just leap right in there. He wasn't even active for Week One, so a lot of a lot of weird things going on. I feel behind the scenes that we're not hearing about out there in San Francisco. I so, also want to kind of put on there too. I think this team misses Robert Sala a lot, mm-hmm. like not only mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the football but just as the heart and soul of that team, like he always mm-hmm. was to me, like the hype guy, that is a massive loss, not on the coaching staff, but in the locker room as a whole. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, what I can't wait for is going to be eventually when Trey Lance get the starting job and Jimmy Garoppolo is looking for a job, uh, the hype train in New England to bring Jimmy Garoppolo home to be the backup to Mac Jones. I can't wait for that storyline to develop. <laughs> I take him over over Brian Hoyer. 
<laughs> oh, did you see Jared Stidham came off the PUP today? Oh, wait. Was he eligible to come off PUP today? Is that what it was? He started practicing today. Mm. There we go. He's going to take got, the job. We got Stid the Kid. All right, let's move on to the final segment of the day. We've got Best Bets Put the Puma, where he will try to help you win some cold, hard cash. Puma, yeah. what you got this week? All right, so what I got, again, these lines are brought to you in part by the unofficial official sports book of the Pro Football Radio Podcast. That is the DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I swear by it. I'm also... I own a couple of stock, a couple of shares of DraftKings, so a little bit biased. Degenerate. Right but but uh, it's also, Puma. you know, online betting is live in the great state of Connecticut. So oh, nice. I was able to finally bet from the comfort of my home. I don't have to drive to the Garden State. I don't have to drive to Foxwoods, which no shade against Foxwoods. It's a great casino. It looks awesome. Uh, but uh, I kind of just want to do it for my house now. Um, so my uh, my picks, I got these guys in early on Wednesday. So I am taking Las Vegas to cover the three points uh, this weekend. They uh, they are going up against, I should have had this note here. They're going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I really like the defense for uh, for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. They've been, uh, they've been performing exceeding expectations by everybody's uh, metrics at this point. They had a huge emotional win coming off of the controversy going on in Vegas with uh, with John Gruden and the emails. Um, I like them to school Nick Sirianni and uh, and the Eagles on uh, at home against Las Vegas. I'm taking them to to cover the three points. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I got them covering the six and a half against the Baltimore Ravens. The Seattle Seahawks. Now this is going to be where I rant on on uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the Talk Pittsburgh Steelers. It. I took the Steelers to cover the five and a half. I'm like, this defense is good. It's a Geno Smith-led team. Even Ben Roethlisberger can't fuck it up. And clearly I was wrong coming out of halftime. The Seattle Seahawks ran the football right down Pittsburgh's throat. Uh, Big Ben couldn't complete a pass beyond, you know, 10 yards down the field. And whenever he found Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool was either always out of bounds or offensive passing interference. We go to overtime. They kick a field goal. We do not cover the five and a half. And I wanted to cry at midnight. But the Seattle Seahawks showed me a lot. Um, they're at home. They're a five-point dog at home against the, the uh, New Orleans Saints. I, I like Seattle getting the five uh, getting the five points. It's still a hostile environment. It's still a loud environment. I'm not sold on Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. It doesn't look like Michael Thomas is going to be coming back this week. Um, it's been kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of situation with the Saints offense. I like Seattle getting the five points at home. I think they cover. Now, my last bet, and again, we said it from the top, this slate is really bad, so this is kind of a hold your nose and just make the make the teaser picks here um i'm doing a houston texans miami dolphins six point teaser so i tease the houston texans up from 17 and a half to 23 and a half uh and i tease the miami dolphins up from two and a half to uh to uh eight and a half i i just don't see houston getting blown out by more than 23 points uh the, right now this the uh the Arizona Cardinals are laying 17 and a half. That is too big of a number for a professional football team. I don't think they cover that, so they should cover the 23 and a half easily. And the Miami Dolphins, as bad as they are, I, I really have no faith in this Atlanta Falcons team, even if they are coming off of a bye. Um, I still think 
Arthur Smith is in way over his head. They don't know how to use uh, Mike Davis. Cordero Patterson should not be the focal point of your offense. Kyle Pitts had a breakout game, <laughs> but because you know there were only he had all the 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 lion's share of things because Calvin Ridley didn't make it across the pond for air quote personal reasons. But one mm-hmm. person could deduct that he isn't vaccinated. Whatever. Um, so they haven't figured out a way to use Russ, uh, use Kyle Pitts. I have no faith in in. Uh, Arthur Smith, give me the uh, Miami Dolphins covering the eight and a half uh, point leg on that teaser. All right. Um, and then finally, the fantasy Bulls with Burge returns by popular demand. I had a very bad week this week. <laughs> it happens. I lost to my wife in fantasy. She fucking took me to the cleaners. I, I needed, I'm also salty because I needed Chase Claypool and the uh, the Steeler defense to come through clutch, and uh, yeah, it didn't happen. So I lost to a team in Dynasty that was rebuilding and had re- had their best player Alvin Kamara on a bye and had nobody else really but waiver wire pickups in the game. Still that lost? was the kind of week. Uh, I got. I lost. Oh I, and I had Derrick Henry, and I had Derrick Henry, and I still lost. Should we yes. rebrand the segment to Full Fantasy Bulls with Poodle? <laughs> <laughs> we could we could rebrand it as the the uh the christian mccaffrey sobbing club because that's the reason why i i lost i don't have him Me didn't too. have a quality second running back in my wide receivers all underperformed Devonte adams chris godwin i mean you name it i just had a bad week you know i'm hoping to rebound here uh, i'm starting you know the trade deadline's starting to approach so i'm starting to look at uh potential trade options to try to improve my my dynasty team uh i'm still toying on whether or not i'm gonna sell out and go all in to try to win or if i'm gonna maybe try to capitalize on derrick henry and trade him away and try to get as much as i can for him so uh it's been an up and down season for me so far. We're six weeks in now, and you know I got a couple of five hundred teams. I got a couple of you know teams above five hundred. Luckily, I don't have any any below five hundred. So it's it's um, I'm scourging the waiver wire. My waiver wire doesn't have much left on it that would have it in a you know a normal standard league. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm just trying to ride it out. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any questions that we want to go oh, over I got on this. So many questions. Uh, here we go. All right, All right, let's do it. Question one, Dak Prescott's on a buy. So I have Zach Wilson available to pick up, Carson Wentz against San Fran, Sam Darnold against the Giants, Daniel Jones against Carolina, and then Jimmy Garoppolo against the Indianapolis Colts. Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I can't take that back. Getting. He's not available on principle alone. I'm not going to pick him up. So we'll do <laughs> I'd rather uh, lose than win with Jimmy Caroppolo. Yeah, I for, for for me, if I'm in your shoes, I'm leaning either Carson Wentz or uh, or Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, I picked him up after his first two weeks. He's very much cooled off uh, over the uh, the last two weeks. Uh, he hasn't been as good of a fantasy quarterback, you know. Obviously, coupled with the Panthers losing a couple of games, um, so. I, I'd probably lean Carson Wentz there just because I like the, uh, you know, I like what uh, what he has there with you know Jonathan Taylor to support that offense. Uh, Michael Pittman, I'm a huge fan of, so I, I lean Carson Wentz in that situation. Okay, okay, uh, and then the other one was sorry about this. Uh, let's see. So Najee Harris, 
is hurt. I'm sorry, he's on a buy. So anybody else I should be targeting? Um, let me see who's available in the last running backs. Do you have anybody on your bench? <laughs> no, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Hey, we can just start. We can just. Wait. And, then, and then I got Mike. Where's Davis, everything hurts? Where's Eliza Puma's Mitchell. everything hurts? Let's go. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I got Davis at Atlanta. I got Mitchell with the 49ers available. I got Carter with the Jets available. Ingram with the Houston Texans available. And then uh, Williams with Denver. And the Heem Hines as oh. well. I might go Williams. I might Mitchell? go Williams there too. It's Williams or Mitchell for me. Williams or Mitchell. Obviously, we we all kind of agree about. Excuse me, the uh, 49ers with what's going on with them there. Uh, Javante Williams, I mean, at some point he's going to take that job from Melvin Gordon in Denver. Uh, Denver also has kind of come down a lot, you know, down to earth quite fast in the past few weeks. Um, So with the timeshare there uh, in Denver, obviously Melvin Gordon is the lead guy. They are in a bit of a committee. William, Williams or Mitchell, you can't go wrong. You're, you can probably expect the same kind of output out of both of them. So, um, who's who's Denver playing this week? I forget. Uh, tomorrow Cleveland night. Cleveland on Thursday. Uh, Cleveland tomorrow oh, night. Who are they playing? The Browns. Oof. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably go Mitchell if it was me. I'm, I'm actually starting Mitchell in one of my leagues. So, Really? Yeah, it's probably the way I'd go. I mean, like I said, you can't go wrong with either one of them. So it's kind of a gut instinct. If you have your gut going with Williams, get him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Williams. I, I like to do the opposite of what Bird says. That's so not Birch, very nice. My, <laughs> my, question, my question for you is, you know, I, I was talking to you guys offline uh, about a trade I made. I, I flipped Michael Pittman for DeAndre Swift, and as a – uh, Kareem Hunt manager, I am so glad that I made that trade because mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt is on IR. But also, prior to the game starting on Sunday, I picked up uh, DeErnest Johnson uh, for the, the, the Cleveland Browns just as an insurance policy in case Nick Chubb didn't go. Um, do you have any inclination as to wanting to start a Cleveland Browns running back, or do you want to see how this backfield shakes out first? Well, given the fact that, you know, Chubb and Hunt are both out, and now we just learned today that Case Keenum is starting for for Cleveland. I will fade them until I see what what they do. I I mean, I, are you asking me if you would start Johnson over Swift? Is that where? Oh what no, you're asking no, no. me. I mean, okay, I'm just right. I'm just thinking like for for those that aren't in my situation. Like I have Kamara okay. coming back. I have DeAndre Swift. And then my flexes are Kyle Pitts, Zach Ertz, and then I have Darren Waller as my tight end. So, like, okay. I'm not singing, like, heartbreak blues. But, like, if you if you had a manager out there that was kind of suffering through by Mageddon, would you fire up any of the running backs for Cleveland, or would you still roll the dice with some of your bench guys? I mean, honestly, that depends who's riding on the bench uh, that you have out there already uh if uh you need a bye week plug-in and you know you need to scour you know scour the waiver wire for a pickup i mean picking him up as a uh you know potential starting running back for for a team in a game who's going to get the touches you know you gotta you gotta really consider making that move but uh, as as somebody who really likes to see it before i commit to it uh i I, I I wouldn't feel great about doing it. If I had to do it, I would, but I would not feel great about doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, that's the only question I so. got. So I, I just hope that we all have better weeks, especially you and I, Jay, with our McCaffrey Blues. So really not looking forward to that. Yeah, this is fine. Did Jay uh, jump out the window because of Christian McCaffrey? He might have. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. Oh, no, I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> okay. I was like, uh, Jesus, did he really, like, Yeah, we were like, <laughs> No, I had, I had the, uh, the mic on mute. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, holy shit. But, uh, <laughs> I would have access to clean feed. This is going to be a long-ass episode of Dead Air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one last question for you, buddy, before we go um, and on Sunday. So over under on how many times Bill Belichick can't get the – Pro, appropriate amount of people on the field against the Jets. We're going to set it at two, two and a half. half. Yeah, over under that. <laughs> I'm jumping out the window I'll right take, now. I'll I'm jumping the out over. the window. I'll take the over. Give me five. five. <laughs> two oh, brass man. knuckles have a, uh, have entered the a, uh, entered the bag for the weekend. Two brass knuckles. <laughs> it's been a couple of great days for uh, for me and Boston Radio. They're uh, They've been saying some pretty, pretty amazing stuff, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Now, before we end up doing another Megapod. <laughs> let's plug it up. Let's plug this up. shit up. <laughs> this episode of the Pro Football Radio Podcast and previous episodes of the pod can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Uh, for Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. If you leave a question, we'll be, uh, we might be able to answer this on the podcast in a mailbag episode. If we get any questions, uh, YouTube, be sure to hit the uh, subscribe button so when a new video drops, you get that in the feed. Our, uh, our captain here, Jay Chum, has been a wizard with the YouTube mm-hmm. content, and uh, we've been gaining a lot of traction on that platform. So be sure to hit subscribe, like it, Make sure you uh, spread the word about the pod. Social media-wise, this can be found on Facebook and Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, the Twitter machine, at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. The captain, Jay Chima, is at Jay Chima. And the senior contributor, senior analyst of the pod, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is on the Twitter machine at Burge the Goalie. And uh, always good banter back and forth between the... uh, Belichick versus Bella Fraud Truthers. It's always a fun time. <laughs> Going hard in the paint with the people at 98.5. Quote tweeting like a, a, you know, a coked out rapper after a loss for the Pats. It's a fun time. I love it. It's great. Battling not with Jay Chima, too. Battling with the captain. That's not, Although not I'm, muted. I'm muted. <laughs> not oh, yeah. I, I don't see any there's of ridiculous time, stuff anymore. I couldn't take it. There's... There's many a time I will refresh Twitter on a Sunday to see what you're saying because I can't wait to see the scorched earth and napalm approach that you do. Um, but that's it. That is the plugs for the pod. Like, subscribe, download, share with your friends, share with your family. Send those Let's questions. Go. Send those questions. Yes, yes, yes sir. And Burge, I mean, I'm just going to say it right now, all right? I just feel vindicated of what's happening over the last couple of days on Boston Radio. People are actually taking what I've said for the last 18 months and used it as as uh, talking points, you know, the, the records and everything else that has to be said. So things are, things are going, this isn't, this isn't the first time they've talked so about well. it. This has been talked, this has been talked about many a times before. 
Let's start that Megapod. Let's go. Hard in the paint. Let's go. Let's just hope we can beat the Jets on Sunday, all right? Let's just hope we can do that. Who's going to win, Jay? Make your prediction. Get it on record. Let's have 11 people out there on offense and defense, actually. Let's call it a day. Jay's taking the Jets on Sunday. Don't worry. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Viacondios.